But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, this morning, each of us. We come from our different households, from our different families, and we come with different needs and different questions. And Lord, and we come here together as your family in this place. Lord, make us aware of your presence that we may respond in worship. Lord, make us aware of your truth that we may just make it through another day. Lord God, open our hearts, open our minds to your word. Let us go away from here today, Father, more like you than we were when we came in. You've promised, Lord, that you are with us always. Lord, make us aware of your presence here and now. In Christ's name. Amen. I open by reading, of course, the Great Commission out of Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus, the resurrected Lord Jesus, calls his 11 disciples, and he had told them where to meet him, and they come, and they meet him there on that mountain in Galilee, and they do the one thing that we can do when we're in the presence of Christ, and they worshiped him. Last week, Jeff taught us a little bit about worship, showed us how worship is the response that we have to the presence of Christ, to the awareness of his presence. And he's got his gathered disciples there, and I think it's interesting that passage it says, and they, they, they gathered there and they worshiped him, but some doubted. Every gathering of his church is a mixed multitude of those who are fully and completely committed and those who somewhat doubt. And he's referring there to the disciples. And then he gives them that great commission. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. This passage, this great commission leaves no doubt about our responsibility as disciples to be about making disciples. The two go together. In other words, Jesus has commanded and has commissioned us as his disciples to be about the business of making other disciples and teaching them, he says, to observe all that he commanded. That means we are to be disciples who make disciples and then teach them. 
We do not just dunk them and desert them. It's our responsibility as Jesus' disciples to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and then be about teaching them to observe all that he commanded. This responsibility isn't just the responsibility of a few. It's not just the responsibility of, of those called as pastors and teachers. It is the responsibility of each believer to be both a disciple and a disciple maker. We're going to look at several passages today that show us the disciple making and teaching disciples is the responsibility of the church and of the family and of each of us individually. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the verses are going to be up on the screen. This first section, Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. It speaks of the responsibility of the church and the special giftedness of the church. Verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints to the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. God has uniquely gifted the church for discipleship. He gave the church first apostles and prophets to lay down the foundation of our faith. And he gave us evangelists and pastor teachers for the continuation of the building up of the body of Christ. How do we accomplish that task as a church? By equipping the saints for works of service. And when is that mission complete? When we all come to the fullness of Christ. When, we, when every believer is wholly Christ-like. In other words, the mission of the church to make disciples and grow disciples doesn't stop until Christ comes again and makes everything new and complete. There's one phrase in that uh, verse that I want to bring to your attention. It says, equipping the saints for works of service to the building up of the body. Sometimes it, it may seem that the, the equipping of the saints for works of service in the church is just all about getting help with the ministries of the church and all about getting as many people involved as we can just so we can, we can cite the numbers of people that are going on mission trips that are helping out at Calvary Rescue Mission that are enrolled in our Sunday school and all of those numbers. But the truth is the best way to grow your faith is to put your faith in action. While the ministry itself does serve a purpose in the church and in the, in the community, the real benefit of doing ministry is growth in faith of those doing the ministry. It grows you to be more Christ-like. And that's the goal of discipleship. 
Disciples are people who learn from both the words and the actions of their master, their teacher. And we are all to be disciples of Christ. Learning and obeying his commands and growing into the, the fullness of Christ's likeness. Following his example of self-giving love and service. Growing little by little to be more like him. There's another way that the church fulfills its responsibility to make disciples. Turn over a few pages to Colossians chapter 3. Verses 15 and 16, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That speaks of what we do in the church here. That's, that's why we focus on the word in our preaching. That the word of Christ will richly dwell within you. That's why we focus on, on the word in our Sunday school. To increase your knowledge of the Son of God. That's why we provide periodic Bible studies. Uh, like the ladies' Bible study, like what we will do with Fisherville University classes starting in September, it will, will grow us to become more fully Christ-like, able to meet the unique challenges of, of living today with godly wisdom. But that's also why we gather together in worship. The songs we sing together, the hymns, the choruses, the praises, songs of thanksgiving, all of them written and sung to penetrate our hearts and minds with the truth from God's word. It's not just the content of what we sing that's important. It is the act itself, the coming together as one body, the body of Christ, singing with one another, that bonds us together as disciples, as children of God, as followers of Christ, and is in itself an act of obedience and therefore an act of discipleship. But discipleship is not solely the responsibility of the church. In fact, even more so, it is the responsibility of the family. While the church equips, teaches, and provides opportunity for participation in classes and ministries which encourage the making and growth of disciples, the family is truly the place of daily discipleship. Flip back to Ephesians chapter 6. Look at the first four verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction 
of the Lord. It is in the daily living of family life that our children learn most thing, most of what is really important. And they learn these things not just by being, being sat down and told things. They learn them by watching and listening. Now children are in many ways our natural disciples. They will learn to follow what you follow. They will learn to do the things that you do. I can remember when my children were little, uh, you know, they used to watch me mow the lawn and, uh, and, and cut the branches off of trees and such. And we were doing, reviewing some of the old videos that we had taken to the kids while they were playing when they were out in the yard. And there's this one video that, that I see in my mind over and over. My son, when he was about this tall, is, is holding a, a croquet mallet and going around pretending that he's weed whipping with it. And he went just, he followed the same pattern that I did. And my oldest daughter goes over and is pretending to cut limbs with these, you know, those things you read. And, and it was so cute. She'd reach up and she had nothing in her hands and she'd do that and then she'd run back. And I realized I do that. I cut and then you run and get out of the way. They watch what we do. And remember last week, Jeff even talking about how, how he's finding himself repeating the same things to his kids that his dad said to him and that he said he would never do. Our children learn by watching us. What are we teaching them with the way that we respond? Do we respond in godly manners? Do we, do we speak of the things of the Lord throughout the day? It's our responsibility as Christian parents to be first, be true disciples of Christ. Our children will follow what we follow. Learning from Christ so that our children will follow our footsteps to become true disciples of Christ themselves and then begin to follow His footsteps. If they hear the word of God coming out of our mouths, they will find themselves saying them. If they see us respond in a Christ-like manner, they will learn to respond in the same way. You know, seeing that our children are in Sunday school and being taught about Jesus at church is a good thing, but it's not enough. Giving that responsibility over to the church and not taking it on ourselves is not enough. Ken Hemphill tells the this, this story of a time while he was pastor in Virginia. He's pastor of a, of a larger church there, and he had the brilliant idea one day that he would show servant leadership by going out and, and opening the car doors for people as they arrive. And he goes out to open the car door, and there's this family. They were, you know, a family he knew, and he, he opens the door, and he realizes that he's just caught himself in the middle of the conversation between the father and the son. And it goes something like this. The father says, now get out and get in there. And the son says, why, why do I have to? He says, you, you, you you're, need to go to Sunday school. And the child says, well, I can't wait till I'm grown up like you so I don't have to. The example we set is the example our children will follow. Our commitment to Christ is contagious to our families. Teaching 
diligently and consciously, looking for teachable moments each and every day, will have a large impact on the next generation of disciples. It is the way that God designed discipleship. Turn back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Passage that I'm sure is familiar with many of you. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That wonderful statement of faith. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Parents, that's what we should be showing our children. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. The Great Commission tells us to teach them to obey all that he commanded. And this next verse tells us how you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. It is that daily example, the daily words, the daily teaching of the family that will impact the next generation of disciples. But you see, you can't blame your spiritual condition on your bad experiences in a church. You can't blame your spiritual condition on the fact that your family wasn't a strong family of faith. The truth is, discipleship and making the decision to be a disciple is the responsibility of each individual. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. I'll get there. There we go. Philippians chapter 2, down verses 12 and 13. Paul writes, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Some translations uh, make that verse 12 a little stronger when it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It is our individual responsibility not just to be about making disciples, but to be disciples ourselves. A great confession of Peter in Mark chapter 8 when Jesus asked, what do people, who do people say I am? And they answer him, and then he continues to question and says, but who do you say I am? Both our salvation and our growth in Christ ultimately comes down to our individual responsibility. Just as it is God who saves us by grace through faith, it is God who is at work in us to grow us as his disciples. But as always, God is the perfect gentleman. He does not force his way upon us. What he does is present us with the choice. Follow him and become his disciple. 
or reject Him and His way. But He also empowers us with His presence. As we choose to follow Him, He works within us to grant us wisdom and strength to grow more and more like Him, but it's a process that does not stop until He comes again. We individually have to make that choice over and over again as we face new temptations to turn from His path. As we question our knowledge of Him, as we question His way, we are presented with the choice again and again. And as we choose for Him, He reveals Himself again and again to be faithful. The path of discipleship only ends when we come face to face with Jesus and then for the first time we see Him fully as He is. We are made to be fully who He intended us to be. There's one scene in the Bible, one, one example of discipleship that I want, I want to uh, just present to you just for your own reflection. It's in Acts chapter 18. It's when, a, when in, in Ephesus, a, a Jew named Apollos, he, he's an Alexandrian by birth, and he's an eloquent speaker, and he's, he's speaking, and the Bible says he's, he's speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. But he was only acquainted with the baptism of John. And then Priscilla and Aquila, it says, take him aside and teach him more fully the things of Jesus. Well, then he teaches even more powerfully, and he then is powerfully refuting the Jews in public. I think that's a, a great example of discipleship. First, you have Apollos, a disciple who, who has a, a, a limited understanding of who Jesus really is, but what he taught, he taught accurately. He, he used the knowledge of Christ that he had to teach others. And then Priscilla and Aquila, who were further along in their faith and their knowledge of Jesus Christ, takes him aside and, and teaches him more more fully about Jesus as Messiah. And Apollos humbly accepts their teaching and then goes out and is even more effective as a maker of disciples because now he knows Jesus more fully. See, that's the process that each of us should be on. Share with others the knowledge of Jesus that you have. Don't use the fact that you don't feel like you know enough to not be making disciples, but then humbly look for and listen to those who are, are more mature in their faith, who, who have a deeper knowledge, and grow then in your knowledge and your effectiveness. What does... Being a disciple look like? In our day and age, it looks like being involved in Sunday school, being involved in uh, group Bible studies, exposing yourselves to others who have more knowledge, more experience, more years perhaps. It means daily Bible reading and prayer with your family. 
filling yourself with the Word of God so that that's what comes out? It means talking about Jesus and, and pointing out how God is at work in your life, in your church, and all around you. And it means seeking out those who are further along in their faith when we have questions about ours. See, a disciple is a learner. Someone who is still learning and following. To be a disciple doesn't mean you've got it all. Doesn't mean that you're, you, you, you've got the answer to every question. It just means you honestly are seeking and following Christ. What's the result of discipleship? Continuation in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I'm reminded of the scene in Mark chapter 9 when a man comes to Jesus to heal his child and he asks Jesus, says, if you can, would you heal my child? Jesus says, if I can, if you believe I can, and the response was, I do believe, help my unbelief. To me, that is the prayer of a disciple. That is the prayer for all of us. I do believe, help my unbelief, because I'm not fully there yet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, first and foremost, thanking you, Father, for your Son, Jesus. Thanking you that you gave him as our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word that reveals him to us. Thank you for giving us your spirit that enlightens us and gives us wisdom. Father God, we also come in confession to you that each of us have a ways to go. Help us, Lord. Put into our lives those who can help to show us the way but also, Lord, put into our lives those that, that we can show the way to. Father, I don't understand why you trust such a precious gift as salvation and the message of the gospel to us, but you have.
Lord, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. In Christ's name, amen. You know, the first step of discipleship really is to accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, to, to recognize yourself that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Perhaps you've taken that step sometime in the past and you just need to make a commitment to grow, to grow as a disciple in Christ. You do that in the, in the body of Christ. I invite you as we stand to sing this hymn of invitation, if God is, has touched your heart to make a commitment to Him, either for the first time to recommit your life to Him or to commit to begin to grow as a disciple, as a, a member of this congregation, I invite you to come forward. I'm going to ask our pastor to come up here to, to meet you as you come up. But let's stand now and let's sing this hymn of invitation.